Here is the second part of Nellie McAllister Clark's journal. While we lived in Fredonia, the Indians from around the country gathered for a big powwow a few miles north of Fredonia. They camped right by the creek. Brother Ira Church took a crowd of us up to the camp one night to watch them. It was quite a ways to go without a trail most of the way. Brother Church carried a lantern and most of the time we followed in a line. I don't remember who was in the crowd except Brother Church, Mother, and myself. The Indians danced in a big circle around a bonfire and they never stopped the dance while we were there. We were told that they would just keep the dance going for hours, maybe days. They would drop out of the circle or get in as they wanted. Some were cooking, getting ready to eat, some were sleeping, Others were eating while some were just lying around, but they kept chanting up and dancing going all the time. When the Indians left the powwow for a few, of, a few of them came down by town and camped about a block north of our home. They camped in the brush for a few days, and when they left, they left a little wickiup made of willows and rags. A poor squaw was left in it to die. We children heard her crying while we were playing at the top of the lot. Mother went to see what was wrong, and the squaw told her that she was old and they had left her there to die. Mother gave her something to eat and looked after her for a few days. The men of the town went and brought the Indians back and made them promise to take care of her. They took her with them, but I've often wondered if they took care of her or left her again somewhere. I thought of the incident and the poor old human being last summer when I was so sick. This was the summer of 1953, when I was receiving such wonderful care from my daughter, her husband and children, and all the rest of my family. All were so good to do anything they could for me, even little Kathy. As soon as she would wake up in the morning, before she got her eyes open, she would come to the door, rubbing her eyes, and would say, Say, Grandma, do you need some fresh water or anything? Before I was so bad, I was going to the doctor's one day and was ab about to the courthouse and discovered I'd forgotten my glasses and started back after them. Mac came running and called, What have you forgotten, Grandma? I'll get it for you. So he got my glasses. He told me afterwards that Kenyon had told him to. So both boys were ready to help me at that time, and they always seemed ready. One fall... My brother Dick and Uncle Harry came through Fredonia on their way home from hunting out on the Buckskin Mountain, and they had nine large bucks on the buckboard. I never saw fellows so full of the old Nick as they were. They laughed at everything that was said. Brother Christensen came in on an errand, and Mother thanked him for cleaning the snow from the sidewalks. He spoke quite broken and said, Yes, I took up the street a couple of times. And Dick and Hod laughed till the tears rolled down their face. Of course, they said something about what happened on their trip so that Brother Christensen wouldn't think they were laughing at him. I never saw fellows act so crazy. The next morning, they cleaned a nice big deer and hung it in the shade for Mother and went on their way with the rest of their load. When we went back to Kanab, we lived in the large room over the honey house. The front door was on level with the street, but at the back door, there was a flight of stairs as it was built on a hillside. It was built for a carpenter shop. However, father put a temporary partition in while we lived there. 
We all lived there until we could find a place closer to the place where father and the boys were building our house. My older brother, Will, used to freight, and I stayed with his wife nights a lot of the time when he was gone. They were very good to me and were always giving me something. Will pierced my ears, and they got me a nice pair of earrings. I also remember a very pretty celluloid belt they gave me. Will freighted from that little station in Juab, just this side of Scipio and Nephi. In Nephi, most of the buildings that were there have been torn down now. It took weeks to make a trip. Sometimes they were caught in storms, and our Christmas goods would get in just a few days before Christmas. Will nearly always drove a spike team of fine horses and sometimes two wagons. One time I went as far as McDonald's with him on an empty wagon. Dick and his family were living there then. There were three or four other freighters along with him, so it was not so lonesome because they enjoyed visiting around the campfires at night. We moved into our new house in the northwest of Kanab in 1899, I think. I finished eighth grade and got two years of high school. Then, while I was working in the drugstore, I went to a night school taught by Albert R. Day, given on purpose for eight or nine of us who were working and couldn't attend school in the daytime. The fall before my second year in high school, the high school student and teachers took a trip out to the Grand Canyon in August. Most of the teachers and part of the students were in one big company, and they hired a cook and each paid his part of the expenses. Uncle Ike and his family were already out there. He was a ranger at the time, and he had horses for our bunch, and we used them when we got there. Uncle Jim took us out, and in our group, there were Nabby, Bessie, Bertha Smith, Rose Hamlin, Clara, and I. Also, Pearl Pugh, whom Uncle Jim married soon after. We girls were all cousins except Pearl. Will Dobson and Guernsey were with us part of the time. We were pretty lucky because Uncle Ike would pile our bedding on the buckboard when a big storm came up and we girls would go and stay with his family in the house for the night. When Uncle Ike and Jim went to give us the horses, one of them said to me, you keep quiet and I'll see that you get the best animal on the mountain to ride. He would ask first one, then the other if they wanted to ride the mule and of course they said no. And after the rest got their horses, he said, well, Nellie, this is yours, and before we go home, they will all want to ride her. And it was so. Old Molly was so sure-footed and gentle and so easy to ride over the rough places and up and down hills, just like a cradle. We had lots of good sports. We would have our school programs at night, singing our school songs and having all kinds of comic performances. One incident that caused a lot of excitement was when it was storming and some of the girls came in just soaked and went into the tent to change. The tents were also wet. Clara stood between the candle and the wall of the tent, so every move she made could be seen by the crowd. Of course, the crowd hooted and laughed, and the more no noise they made, the more she hurried to get dressed and the funnier it was. She was hurrying outside to see what the fun was. She was quite disappointed when she came out and found out the show was her, and it was over. There were about 45 people in the crowd that went out to Grand Canyon, and there were about eight or more men and boys out there working for B.F. Saunders, and they joined in on our evening entertainment most of the time. 
We were out there three weeks, going to some point of interest each day on horseback or doing something interesting in camp. The time passed rapidly and we were all glad to get back to school in September. The trips I have made to the Grand Canyon and mountains since this trip are the ones when I really enjoyed the canyon. It seems like the first time I went, I was more interested in riding and the rest of the sports we were engaged in. But since then, when I have gone, I have been more interested in the wonderful things of nature, the beautiful forests, the hillsides covered with underbrush, and the valleys with the streams of clear water, and the many times the deer were eating and drinking, and also the canyon, which one has to see to realize the grandeur. Some of the events of my life are not written in order, as I don't know just the year they took place, but it was in the spring, April conference time, that I made my first trip to the north and to Salt Lake City. Grandma, Uncle Ike, Aunt Persis, and myself drove to Mayor's Vale in a covered wagon with a horse team. We had a spring bed in the back for Grandma. That's Harriet Maria Young Brown. Aunt Persis rode with Grandma most of the time, and I rode in the seat with Uncle Ike. Although it rained on us a lot of the way, we had a very nice trip. Uncle Ike was a very jolly fellow, and he was singing and joking most of the time. We were three days on the road to Mary's Vale and one whole day on the train. We stayed a few days in Draper, visiting with Aunt Letty, that's Uncle Ike's mother's child, and when Ike and the other children came to Kanab, she was married and stayed in Draper. Grandma, Aunt Persis, and I then went to Sandy and visited with Aunt Will and Hattie for a few days. Then we went into Salt Lake City and I stayed with Grandpa McAllister. This was the first time I had seen Grandfather or his family. They were very nice. Pearl, Father's youngest sister, was about my age. We had a lot of fun together. I slept with Florence, Uncle Dick's wife, and she was sure nice. She's a very fine woman. Uncle Dick was a night watchman, and he slept in the daytime, so he wasn't home at night. He was father's half-brother. They lived in one part of the home where grandfather lived. Aunt Persis and grandmother didn't come home with us, but Aunt Letty, her daughter, and two of her children came back with Uncle Ike and I, and we had a nice trip. It was sure a nice trip and not very expensive. The round trip on the train was a little over $5. I left home with 15 and got back home with three. So you see, it was a visiting trip, not a shopping spree. I was a counselor in the Kanab Ward Primary for about three years and was secretary of the Stake Sunday School for about five years while J.C. Hoyt and Wallace A. Bunting were superintendents. I was chairman of the Old Folks Committee for several years, also class leader in Mutual. I was not much of a singer, but I belonged to the ward choir. One night, I was at Aunt Persis' house with Nabby, and we heard the bell for choir practice. Nabby said, let's hurry and get off before Hattie, and we will wear two shawls. Well, we got off with the scarves and got to practice all right. But as we were singing the first song, which they were singing when we went in, I glanced down and noticed a string hanging from my shawl. Oh, I had on one of Aunt Persis's sateen aprons, and it was dirty. 
I pulled it off as soon as possible and was so embarrassed. Nabby and I had slipped in and got them in the dark, and we were so giddy we didn't realize one of them was an apron until we got where it was light. I worked in the drugstore for a while, and then I worked in the post office. One summer, I kept the post office alone for about four months, and also the telephone office in the post office. Mr. Bringhurst was one to call the roll in the mornings, and what a fuss he would make if I didn't answer the minute the phone rang. I was registration agent in Kanab for a few years, up until the time I left. I worked for Cutler and Glazier for about a year. Then I worked for Bowman and Company for a year and a half. They wanted me longer, but I was going to go to school in Cedar City. I'll stop here and find out what really happened to Nellie in part three.